0: Welcome to BLAST the Airwaves with BLAST Intermediate Unit 17. My name is Rebecca Gibbany and I am the coordinator of professional learning at BLAST Intermediate Unit 17. Here at BLAST, we strive to transform lives and communities through educational services. For this season of BLAST the Airwaves, we have a special guest co-host who is working to create and sustain pathways to employment in our region by uniting her community around common goals in STEM learning. This season's guests come from nine counties total, Representing different local industries all across Northeastern and Central Pennsylvania. I'd like to introduce you to Alexandra Consort Gruszynski, STEM Services Coordinator for NEIU19 and current lead of NEPA STEM Ecosystem. Alexandra, welcome.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be able to work with you for our celebration of STEM and industry this year. Our STEM ecosystem is holding a week-long series of free events and opportunities, highlighting industry partners and the benefits they have in our five-county region. Our hope is that by listening to the wide variety of employment opportunities available in our region from folks in our community who live it every day, we can shed a light on what's possible for our young people.
0: Alexandra, we are so excited to partner with you in this endeavor and celebrate industry and STEM. On this podcast, we will provide you with educational solutions and resources for all, no matter the learning environment. So teachers, administrators, students, caregivers, industry partners, everyone, what are you waiting for? What would happen if we started questioning? What if our students and educators got the opportunities to sit down with members of the community? What if we bridge that gap? What connections would we discover? I don't know about you, Alexandra, but it is time to blast the airwaves. Today, we have the pleasure of speaking with Dave Loomis, an agriculturalist at Bolaire's Orchards in Troy, Pennsylvania, and Alexandra Konsor-Kruszynski, STEM Services Coordinator at NEIU19 and current lead of uh, Napa STEM Ecosystem. Dave, Alexandra, thanks so much for joining us today to discuss STEM skills used in your industry. Specifically, we're going to be discussing how knowledge of different STEM skills are important in your current job position. So are you both ready to blast the airwaves?
2: Yes, thank you so much for having me.
0: Absolutely. So why don't we get started, Dave? Um, if you could start by telling us a little bit more about your role in industry. Absolutely.
2: My wife and I are actually the fifth generation to operate Belair's Orchards. We operate a small orchard of apples and pears that we grow using organic means. And we also run a flock of approximately 95 sheep. Uh, The name of the breed is Rommeldale CVMs, which are a rare breed of livestock recognized by the Livestock Conservancy. And with this breed of sheep, uh, we raise them both for meat and for fiber. And this part has actually become a sustainable mainstay of our agricultural production.
0: Hmm. That's really interesting. I didn't even know you had that many sheep. That's a lot of sheep. I (laughs) I feel like I need (laughs) to definitely come visit.
1: And an orchard and sheep, you must be a very busy set of folks there. Um, so, so. My question for you is, Dave, is can you describe your typical day? What, is, what does your day look like?
2: Sure. And, and I'll begin by mentioning that I actually have an off-the-farm job as well. So I'm going to talk especially about what my wife experiences as she is uh, the individual who runs things on the farm, the, the day-in, day-out operations. On a typical day, though, we start and finish our day by taking care of our flock. And we, we uh, likewise, too, have a bunch of, of different activities with our sheep, uh, the products that we, we make uh, from uh, the fiber from our sheep. And then my wife also does a lot of communication with clientele and, and with other individuals in, in the fiber industry This is probably one of the biggest changes over the years for us because uh, we had utilized sheep uh, over the generations. So my father, uh, my great uncle, my great grandfather, and and even great great grandfather had a multifunctioning farm with sheep in some way, shape or form, but really didn't foster the, the fiber market like we are doing currently. Our sheep raise a renewable and valuable resource that is sought out by hand spinners and knitters and other textile artists to create gorgeous products that may last even as family heirlooms in generations to come. This is a remarkable difference for us when we compare to and contrast with the notion of of growing fruit, uh, which is a perishable commodity and is, is very time sensitive. And it's it's a very welcome addition to our agricultural
0: mainstay. Wow. That is really interesting. So like how so you how many sheep again do you have? We have 95 sheep. And what made you think sheep and orchard? Like what what made you say, hey, I want to do both of these things. How did that come about?
2: Undoubtedly, uh, part of this is history. And my father had seen as he had worked the farm that working with an orchard where our season commonly would would apex in the fall. And then also working with sheep, which you can actually utilize lots of different timing for markets with sheep. Sheep really work in the equation and, and it worked for him as well. But again, he didn't necessarily grow sheep for fiber. And that was part of our interest and passion that brought us to working with with an animal whose fiber can be worn right next to your skin comfortably. Um, And so we have really, really embraced this opportunity because we not only have sheep that are rare and become kind of a niche market in and of itself, but also, we have this, this gorgeous fiber that is produced in so many different colors right off of the sheep, uh, that our hand spinners and knitters and, and artists just love to work with. Uh, in their words, when they spin this, this, uh, fiber it's like spinning butter quote unquote Wow, (laughs) which is great you know it's it's nice to be able to work with a a product uh that is so much fun and and uh it it gives back from that standpoint
0: Hmm. do you um supply like when you say textile artists i know your wife does a little bit of textile as well Mm -hmm. is it mostly local or do you you know how far are your partnerships there
2: so we have clients all over the nation, and mm-hmm. um, there's undoubtedly even some circumstances where we've actually had to navigate shipping to Canada and to Mexico as well. so uh, it's not out of out of the realm of possibilities. Oh, in Germany, I believe we actually shipped to to a, a military base in, in Germany as well to, to one of our um, military service individuals stationed there. Uh, but uh, that, too, has been quite a change because working with with fruit, we would serve mainly our local clientele. And now with with working with fiber and with working with sheep, we actually work all over the nation. And it's not uncommon for us to even take uh, sheep all over the nation to to share our flock with others.
0: Wow. That's impressive. Yeah, thanks. And it impresses
1: me that there are sources of that type of fiber available locally in Pennsylvania. I don't know how many knitters or crocheters would be aware of that. Mm -hmm. I myself am a crocheter, and I was not aware that this type of wool was available just in basically in my back door. So this is definitely an asset that you're bringing to the community as well.
2: Hey, thank you so much for that. Yeah, it's uh, it's really been a, an interesting challenge for us to take on, but at the same time too, it is it is sustainable and will continue over the over the future as well.
0: Yeah. So, Dave, can you tell us? You know, as we're focusing right now with industry and STEM, how do you use your STEM skills in this position? Like you and your wife.
2: Yeah, undoubtedly, and and I would even include that we have STEAM skills, so we not only use science, technology, engineering, and math skills, but we also use art and, and yeah. artistic endeavors as well, not only as we uh, work with the fiber ourselves, but as we provide it to others. So if I go um, by by letter here, undoubtedly science and agricultural science is the backbone. Uh, It's essential in fostering the health of our land, our pastures, our hay fields, and then likewise our animals. With technology, I'll speak to my wife's role again, she really utilizes technology and computer-based technology to reach out to our clientele across the country and beyond. Mm -hmm. Engineering skills are utilized when we put our material and our natural products to the test. For example, we utilize both ancient and modern mechanization to produce the products, which may require trial and error for our consumers to receive our best product, whether it's as simple as a felt coaster that they can put a cold beverage on to us as, as hard wearing as our dog coats, which are referred to as a woof in sheep's clothing. Um, it's a way for us to put our, our sheep to work in providing their fiber to keep your dog warm. Textile arts then are paramount in all that we do, whether we engage in the artistic expression ourselves or we support others. And we support others who are folks who who do their own knitting and spinning, all the way to students of Parsons School of Design who have reached out to us uh, to gather fiber for their senior project, if you will. these individuals are all in that act of creating. And then lastly, mathematics and measurement are not only important in creating prototypes for trial and error, but it's also remarkably important in animal husbandry, like understanding mob grazing pressure on grazing paddocks and and rotating animals for both animal and for land health. All this is so important, and it works in concert together uh, to... See animals that are healthy providing fiber that is healthy for you and I to utilize. Wow.
1: It's fascinating. Um, and so I think one of the arguments that is made by students when they're in school is one of those perennial arguments, which is when are we ever going to need this? When are we ever going to use what we're learning in school, right? Yeah, I'm Dave, I'm sure you, you know this perennial argument. Um, my question for you then is, can you put that to rest about your and your wife's positions and the, the careers that you've chosen? So what skills do you use every day that our students learn in school? And those can be, you know, subject matter related, or they can be different types of skills, whatever direction you want to take this question in, Dave, the floor is yours. Sure.
2: All right. It it is surprising the use of skills that our K to 12 students are actually developing that we actually put into gear just about every day, at least every week. I think it goes without saying that above and beyond science, math, art, even computer technology, family consumer science, there's undoubtedly a portion of this that looks at business and looks at marketing and communication skills are paramount. Uh, So both oral and written language uh, communication skills that you, you undoubtedly practice in your K to 12 career. And really even more importantly, Um, and probably one of the things that I like to impart with the students that I work with, and I know that my wife imparts with students that she works with, the most important skill that we can impart to our students is that notion that we never stop learning, and we always strive to stretch our learning. And even, and my wife uses this phrase all the time with students that she works with, sometimes you have to get comfortable with the uncomfortable when we're working to learn new things, because when we learn new things, it gives our mind uh, a new feat to tackle and undoubtedly, too, keeps us always engaging, not only in in what we learned K-12, to but for the rest of our lives.
0: Yeah. Dave, you bring that up. I mean, I think that's great. Lexi and I always talk about that, you know, being comfortable with the uncomfortable. A lot of times in our trainings, we're pushed into our uncomfortable sometimes, (laughs) It's how we learn. All the time. Oh, That is very true all the time. <laughs> um, but, you know, what kind of training? Obviously, this isn't something I don't know if you pick this up growing up with your grandfather, your great grandfather. <laughs> but if I'm a student and I'm like, oh, I heard this podcast. This is really interesting. What would I what steps would I start to take Yeah, to, to start my own farm or, or something like that? To so, become an agriculturist. Yeah. Uh,
2: and yeah. undoubtedly, too, there are some, some remarkable obstacles that will have to be overcome to be able to have your own property with, with, uh, with a, a mob of animals grazing it on a regular basis. That becomes something for a, a learner to work towards ways to overcome those obstacles. But if you have a solid education and you have a solid foundation for learning and uh, the, the willingness to learn new things, sure, there's formal programming that can be sought, um, whether you're looking at, at textile arts or if you're looking at, at keeping animals healthy and raising animals. Sure, there are all kinds of programs available to individuals who want to actually work in business and and marketing and, and franchising as well as, as entrepreneurship ideals. But so much of it is is still, the foundation is learning. And if you work towards building skills one by one with a notion that nothing is fixed, if you want to learn it and you take the time and you take intentional time to learn, you will continue to make progress towards those skills that you're developing, I think becomes really important to look at.
1: So, Dave, I have another question for you, which sure. is clearly you're passionate about what it is that you and your wife do. Mm-hmm. When did you discover, when did that epiphany happen when you realized this is what I want to do with my life? Yeah. This is what I want to do with my time. How, how did you know? When did you know?
2: Sure. That's a huge question. You know, when it came to, to being a part of the fifth generation, fifth generation of agriculturalists to run our orchard. Undoubtedly, I had all kinds of thoughts growing up uh, with, well, maybe someday I'll do this. Maybe I'll actually make this my livelihood. Um, and that was something that, that came about there. But the biggest change and probably the most refreshing change was moving more so into the textile industry. And I think my wife and I, when I started my career in, in education, we were always talking about, so... What are ways in which we can actually contribute in a, in a greater way with with the resources that we have, and then likewise too, can can build something that we really will enjoy um, producing, but also feel good about when we go to bed at night that we've we've seen a, a hard day's work come to an end and a hard day's work is coming next. Um, and I think that that's really what's helped us not only propel us into this this avenue. But also keeps us going, keeps us going each and every day and keeps us moving in different directions with this towards making our enterprise sustainable over the course of time so that additional generations may be able to take part in this as well.
1: Thank you, Dave. It's good to hear Um, Many folks, as I'm sure you're aware, are not choosing farming. Many of our Mm. young people are not choosing agriculture as a career. And it's great to know that this is a a space that's alive and well, and that there's still a lot of vibrancy there that can interest a lot of our young people.
2: Thank you so much.
0: Yeah. And so, Dave, we're going to do one of my – and this I did not prep you for. Okay. But we're going to do one of my favorite parts. It's called the Blast Five and um we're just going to ask you not five different questions but if you were to list off the top five skills someone needs in your industry can you tell us top five skills
2: okay so undoubtedly hard work is one of them you need to be willing to to work in in a feverish manner at times when it comes to bringing in a crop or being able to, to actually work with animals and in extremely long day and long time frame commitments. Absolutely. Likewise too, the, the willingness to learn is undoubtedly one of, one of the most important features. And that would be probably my, my second top uh, feature here too. Being able to, to work with and manage your time in a way that's efficient becomes huge uh, from the standpoint of, you heard me say, I, I, work off of the farm. And so when, when I get back to the farm, my time needs to be planned out sometimes to, to the minute, uh, to be able to get things accomplished within that time frame. Mm-hmm. School-based skills that we learn, uh, K to 12 are, are undoubtedly, um, something that, that not only brings about that foundation for learning, but undoubtedly too. um, helps us continue our learning over the course of time. And then lastly, when it comes to agriculture, um, one one of the skills that I really see that is so important for students to recognize is that you're part of something much larger than yourself. You're not only taking care of yourself and your family, you're taking care of a group of animals. And even more so than that, it is taking care of the land in ways that are respectful and working with with uh, with the land and your resources in ways that will continuously generate um, positive uh, flow and energy. And I think that that too would be would be probably my fifth skill, and it's undoubtedly uh, intertwined with with many
0: of the others. Yeah, those are great top five skills that I think are evidence in everything that you just described to us today. Um, if someone is listening to this podcast and they're like, wow, this is really cool. I want to like learn more about his orchard or is there any way are you on on the web? How do they learn more about you and what you do?
2: Yeah. So, undoubtedly, we we can have folks turn to our website, which is com. but also above and beyond that, if you're interested in learning more about sheep, if you're lear- interested in learning more about rare livestock, uh, there's actually an organization called the Livestock Conservancy, uh, who have a very active website. Um, if you're interested in learning about more about the sheep that we raise, uh, there is an active website for uh, the National Rommeldale Conservancy. So there's lots of ways for you to gather information. And also on our website, we do have the option where folks can reach out to us directly and can gather additional information from us, whether it's about our sheep or whether it's uh, the way in which we raise our, our fruit, um, undoubtedly there's ways that you can you can talk with us more. And we're always interested in, in helping individuals move and stretch in, in directions that um, are comparable to what we're doing in, in our day-to-day agricultural lives.
0: Yes. Well, thank you, Dave, so much. It has been a blast blasting the airwaves with you. No pun intended. Same with you, Alexandra. We celebrate you, Dave, and everything that you do in STEM every day, especially today. And again, thank you for taking some time to connect with us and our listeners. It was a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Please take care. And I'm sure we will be talking soon.
2: All right. Hey, thank you so much.
0: Thanks, Dave. We would like to thank you for blasting the airwaves with us today. If you like the show, please subscribe or leave a review. If you want to know more, check out www.iu17.org for further resources and show notes.
1: If you'd like to learn more about NEPA STEM ecosystem and the work we're doing in STEM and job pathways, please visit us at www.nepastem.org.
0: As always, we want to thank you for what you do every single day. We'd also like to especially thank our industry partners. Remember, keep shining. We'll be back next episode to provide you another educational solution and more resources for all as we continue to transform lives and communities through educational services.